and welcome to Minute 92 of Movie Rob Minute. This is actually the penultimate episode, so hopefully you're listening to this today. This is a Saturday. We don't normally have shows on a Saturday, but because we wanted to finish up Season 2 over the weekend, so today we have an episode, and tomorrow we will have the final episode so that on Monday we can start Season 3. So hopefully you'll stick around for that too. So... This is the daily podcast where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today for this special Saturday edition episode is Brian Lockhart of the Marvel Events Timeline podcast and a whole bunch of other stuff. Welcome back to the show, Brian. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me. And, you know, uh, sometimes I can be known for being a bit of a chatty Cathy. So if I start, you know, if you catch me uh, just blabbermouthing too much, just give me a ch- uh, shot in the chops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talked about that a long time ago, with the, what the chops were, you know, that, uh, <laughs> the chops are, are actually the jowls. You know, I always thought it was it was like a, a jab in the gut. Same, but same. After yeah. doing a little bit of research, it, it actually is. To, he's basically saying punch me in the face. <laughs> so which he did get punched in the face, but that didn't happen on screen. And we only get to see the black eye uh, afterwards. You did notice that, right? I did notice the black eye. And for some reason, I'm like, did I just like drift off and not pay attention to, um, because I rewatched the movie, be- uh, you know, before we started recording. And I was like, did I, did I miss something? Cause I wasn't giving it my full attention every step of the way. Um, you know, because I was doing stuff as I was watching it, but I wanted to refresh my memory. And I will say that it reminded me of Tommy Boy. A lot of this Tommy Boy borrows a lot from this movie and they get in a fight in that. And they have the whole scene about like, oh, it doesn't hurt here. It hurts here, you know, but right here. And and then I'm like, did I did I miss a part where he got hit? You know, because I did. I did notice. Yeah, that. no, that was that was in one of the deleted. Scenes. Uh-huh. So, you know, they had they had it had right after they got to their car towed by the policeman so they they were actually arrested in the original script and dell somehow gets neil strip searched <laughs> along the way and when neil comes out dell uh, basically laughs at him and he punches him in the eye you know gives him a nice nice big shiner they, they cut that so it, it wasn't needed for the movie but it's just funny that most people don't notice the fact that for the last i guess 10 minutes of the movie so Dell has a black eye. Yeah, I, like you said, I totally noticed it. I was, I, it made me think of Tommy Boy every time. Could be. I'm, I'm, I've seen Tommy Boy once. I'm not the biggest fan. I think I saw it like a year and a half ago, something like that. It, so I mean, it, it was funny. Um, I, I actually like Brian Dennehy more than any of the other characters in the or any of the other actors in the movie. So it was fun seeing Brian Dennehy until you know, yeah, he's not until he was no longer there. Right. I say he's not in it much, <laughs> but he's great for the bits he's in. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No question about that. All right. So minute 92 begins with the second half of the credit of Layla Robbins, because yesterday we talked about the fact that the minute ended with her credit actually being cut in half. We only get to see half of it before the, the minute ends. And so today we continue with that. And it goes all the way till the symbol of the Hughes production company. That'll be the, the end of this minute. So. Yesterday we were, and the day before, we were talking about all these different crazy credits that we have here. So today we are continuing with the cast. You know, we have the we, – yesterday we basically only had two and a half 
cast credits. We had uh, Steve Martin, John Candy, and half of Layla Robbins' name. So then we continue. And so I just want to point out a, a few of the funny names that characters are given here. Like, for instance, Kevin Bacon is known as the Taxi Racer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I was surprised and... to see him in this movie. I totally forgot that he had a a role in this at all you know when i saw him in new york and i knew it was going to be just a small bit part but i i just thought it was funny to see kevin bacon yeah i mean i i we, we discussed this actually i think on one of the first episodes but in the or, original trailer he didn't appear but when they did the i think it was the 20th anniversary trailer so he actually was very predominantly in there <laughs> Which is just funny because you know they're just trying to get people people to watch it, you know, and you're, you you want to see this this movie featuring Kevin Bacon and you get him for I think he's in two of the minutes of this entire movie and it's always also within the first week, right? So <laughs> he doesn't have that much to do here. And then the credits continue. We we get the parents and grandparents. Oh, sorry, we get the the two sides of grandparents are listed here. The kids are listed. You know, it's it's just still make it's just really funny for me that these people are listed so high on the the credits because there really isn't that much there there aren't any real characters besides the two main ones that that last throughout the entire movie. So I mean, you had you have Michael McKean who gets fourth billing and he's on screen for also like a minute yeah. and a half. I, I I did the math last week or maybe it was two weeks. Uh, no, I think it was last it was last week. Yeah. Uh, sorry, earlier this week, I did the math about how many minutes both he and Layla Robbins, or how many seconds either of them is is on screen. And it's just, it's unbelievable. I think she's maybe on for like three minutes and he's on for like a minute and a half or something like that, if I remember correctly with what, what I did earlier this week. And to get third and fourth billing that for that is just amazing. Yeah, it is funny, but of course he he was a recognizable face, you know, compared to maybe yeah. some of the other people in the film. Yeah, that's true, no question about that. And you know, it continues down with uh, we we get the, the motel clerk and Doobie, and then the waitress who uh, appeared for like a minute and a half also, and then we get uh, the car rental agent, which was Edie McClurg, <laughs> who uh, you know we 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 talked about her iconic scene uh, in detail just a, a few weeks ago. And then we get uh, motel thief, which is uh, Gary Riley, which, you know, one of the things that we discussed during the minutes when he was, or the, the seconds that he was on, he originally was the pizza boy. Oh, okay. And basically in, in the script, Dell um, didn't really want to give him a tip because he was using, um, he was using Neil's money. So what ended up happening is that basically most of his scene was cut and they just show him come in and steal the money. So in the original script, he stole the money because he didn't get a tip. Uh, okay. It wasn't that he's just a thief. So, they, you know, I, I like the fact that, that his character was completely changed because of the way they cut the script. You know, so instead of him being known as the pizza boy who came in and stole their money because he didn't get a tip – He's now known as the motel thief. Right, right. They're just in a bad motel, and that's just what happens, and not not somebody that felt yeah. slighted. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And then you know it continues with with some of the other smaller characters throughout the the, the movie. We're, we don't have to go into each and every one of them. It doesn't really make much of a difference. 
as I said, most of these people have relatively short scenes here. You know, we have the, the credits for the earring customers, which we have seven of them. <laughs> I think I, if I remember correctly, I, I checked some of them. I checked a few of them. They don't have any other credits. These are, you know, they and they don't even have any real speaking credits here either. You know, they're just listening to to Dell's or John Candy's ad libs of how he's trying to sell the various uh, earrings or the, the shower curtains as earrings. I wonder if they just were, you know, typical background people or if they even just locals and they were just like, hey, um, you stand here. <laughs> You're going to get featured. I, I think that I, I think that's what it was. I think it was like, OK, stand here. We're just going to have you, uh, you know, just just hand over money or hand yeah. over. You know, look look as if you're interested in, in what's being said or something like that. And at this point, we get two really strange credits from my perspective. We have Neil's stunt double and Dell's stunt double. Now, I can understand Neil's stunt, stunt double because Neil does fall a few times. You know, he has the, the point where he, you know, rolled down the, the, the embankment mm -hmm. with the snow, <laughs> you know, where he almost gets hit by the truck. So yeah, he and you know, and then maybe when he gets punched by the by the uh, taxi dispatcher, you know, maybe at the, those are points where he needs a stunt double. But when when would you think Dell needs a stunt double? The driving, I would think some of the driving scenes maybe. Ah, you think that's what it is? It's it's the idea of showing them from from afar, you know, and they're the ones who are driving this. Okay, could be, could be, because right after that we have the, the uh, a great credit for doobie and owen stunt double so again it's the same person who is the stunt double for both the cab driver and you know doobie the cab driver and owen who's the the son of gus you know who, yeah. who's taking them to stubbs dylan so okay i, I dylan right yeah. dylan baker i i i think you're right it might be that this is just the the, the driver for the for the far shots so that you can, you know, so that you see who, you know, they're not the ones who are really driving. Hmm, could be. And then we get uh, the screaming driver and the screaming driver's wife. <laughs> so those are the, the, the you know, the, those are the, the couple that are trying to, uh, trying to explain to Neil and Dell that they are driving the wrong way. <laughs> not that they're going to the wrong city, but that they're going in the wrong direction. <laughs> they're going against traffic. Yeah, yeah totally. That's probably a better way yeah. to... Right. And then after that, we have two stunt drivers. So, oh. you know, it's it's in addition to the, the other stunt doubles and stuff like that. I don't, I'm, again, I have no idea why why they would need more stunt drivers. Maybe just, you know, maybe when the car spins around or stuff like that. You know, because then you don't need to see someone who looks like right. Neil and Dell right. in the car. So it could be. And then we have uh, utility stunts. They're They're two two stunt stuntmen that are listed there uh again i you know trying to think throughout the movie where someone would need utility stunts again i'm not really sure do you have any idea honestly no i mean because most of this most of the stuff i mean there's probably stuff we're not even thinking of that for what safety reasons one way or another you know maybe when they light right. the car on fire um yeah, yeah, something like that, like dealing with fire or anything that could be hazardous. Maybe that's where the more utility type people kind of come in and just do whatever. Hmm. Could be. Yeah, that's possible. Right, and then and I always I'm I'm always amazed at the the the, the end of credits because you have you know they it's color by Technicolor mm -hmm. and lenses and Panaflex camera by Panavision. You know they they actually show 
you know, they're, they're actually giving credit to these, to these things, which, I mean, it's amazing to me that, that just what every movie does this. I mean, mm. I don't think that their, their cameras are, are donated or anything like that. It's just they're, they basically are telling people, this is what we used to make this movie. And, you know, we're grateful for that, for them to be able to give it to us. I don't know. Yeah. I wonder why that is. Cause it's like, you, like this used to, you know, stand out uh, to me was like, it would, it used to say a lot of times printed on Kodak film. Right. And exactly. And Kodak was, you know, based in my hometown. So I was like, that always stood out if I watched credits all the way through. And, but you would think, yeah, they bought the film. <laughs> so why, is it just, is it just some sort of union rule that they kind of came up with that these certain things would be in the credits? Is it just an acknowledgement? Yeah, it's probably, it's probably yeah. what it is. Or just like, you know, hey, we do a lot of business with this company. It's like maybe, I wouldn't say it's free advertising exactly, but. You know, maybe it's like, hey, well, it's, it's free advertising, but how many people are going to stay? Right, that's what I mean. The credits. You know, this isn't this isn't a Marvel movie, right? Right. You know, where where you're going to get a credit? You know, where, where everyone stays until to the end of the credits, yeah. just to 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 get that last you know ten second credit that they're you know the tease that they give at the end or anything like that. Although Marvel didn't, you know, but yeah, then Marvel the, perfected it of getting people to stay, but lots of movies have done it in the past, and I know there's well, you had all the the Zucker, Zucker yeah. movies that used to do. I'll it. give them ten more minutes. Yeah, you yeah. have all the funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and no, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about just having you know they put in funny lines. Mel Brooks used to do it also. I think. Oh right, yeah. You, know, you put yeah. in funny credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a like a silly name or a silly credit or. Um, yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, right. I think in like one of the hotshot movies, they had something that says, you know, uh, uh, secret of the crying game. And then it like <laughs> says the secret. After that. And, and of course, my, yeah, little things. some of my favorites is, uh, like what they did with cannonball run where they show the bloopers over the credits. Like that'll get me to stay right. all day long. Or Jackie Chan used to do that too. I think. Right. On, on some, yeah. yeah. There, there are a lot of movies yeah. that would do that, but, but, but the difference there is, is there, you know, they, they make the the font. They do a split screen in most of these. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you have one side that's showing the the all the 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 various goofs, and the other side it still has the credits. Yeah, and, and to tell you the truth, I'm not paying attention at all to the credits when they do that. You know, like because I'm I'm paying attention. Right. Now you want me to pay attention to the credits, put something funny in there every every couple lines, and I'll start reading to look for it. You know, so that is pretty ingenious, actually. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But you have to know beforehand to do it. See, that's that's the thing with 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 Marvel movies. You know, everyone says, "Oh, I gotta wait and stay." You know, you're sitting in the theater, and half the people are getting up and leaving, and and then the rest of the people are just staying there waiting for to see what what is shown on the screen. I mean, we're like 25 movies in now for like the MCU, and it 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 baffles my 20, 28. Yeah, I was saying there's a lot, and it baffles me every time I see half the audience get up. I'm like, do you people not <laughs> realize that at this point, yeah. you're gonna get at least one? You know. <laughs> But yeah, they, the people. I mean, just just the date when 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 we're actually recording this. I just saw the the new Doctor Strange movie a few hours ago today, ah. and the same thing happened. You know, people half the theater just got up and walked out, and I'm like saying, "What the hell? Twenty eight movies in, you don't know to wait and see <laughs> the 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 little teasers that are going to be happening here." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. So. Yeah, we're gonna tell you, and and then the credits continue, and and it continues with uh, along the same lines. You know, it says Dolby Stereo in selected theaters. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they're they're not even saying that that you will constantly have Dolby Stereo. It's only if you're in the right theater. Oh yeah, at, at least back in 1987. You know, things things have changed slightly since then. 
Oh yeah, because I, I mean, at that time and, and slightly after this, I spent a lot of time at like the dirt theaters with my dad. We would go, you know, wait and see a second run movie at the Dollar Theater, and they were old, old. They were theaters he used to go to as a kid, so they weren't probably updated with the the latest technology. Let's just put it like that. Right, probably. Yeah, probably not. That. Yeah, I remember where not far from where I grew up, there were a few Dollar Theaters, and we would go see stuff there all the time. You know, those those were a lot of fun to, to you know to rewatch movies and stuff like yeah. that. I know that that in in '83 when Return of the Jedi came out, I saw it I think like 17 times in the theater oh, wow. over the course of of I think 10 months, something like that. So a lot of those were at the Dollar Theater. You know, towards the end of the run, there was it was still playing, but it was great to be able to go see them in the theater. Yeah, you know, it's it's too bad they don't they don't have very many of those these days. No, you know, where you can go catch uh, you know second run films. You know, not long, you know, even if it's just a few months later. Yeah. So some movies are better to see in the theater if you can. Totally agree. You know, I, I, I'm all for watching stuff on home, at home also, but still certain things. I, I remember when Saving Private Ryan came out, so I saw it in the theater and I loved it. And then a few weeks later, one of my good friends called me up and says, you want to go see it? And I said, no, I already saw it. He says, you know, we you should come with me and go see it again. He says, this is not a movie that you're probably going to ever be able to see in the theater again. And it's something that you should see in the theater again. Mm. And he was right. Yeah. I mean, I, I love again. I love watching it, you know, on 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 a, a screen at home. But it's still not the same type of experience. Oh yeah, I totally understand. Yeah. Right. And then we we get the uh, symbol for the uh, MPAA, the Motion Picture Association of America, and you know it says that this is the twenty eight thousandth. 28,537, uh, I guess, film that, that was made, you know, which, or that, that's the registration number, mm. 28537, which I found to be really interesting. And then right next to that, on the same line, we get the, uh, you know, the, the AFL-CIO. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that, that sort of needs to be there, I guess. So wh- what do you know about the MPAA? Well... I know that they're inconsistent with how they uh, <laughs> rate stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 to me, it's like the, it's the comic code authority, the comics code authority of movies, you know, obviously um, I actually don't know which one came out first. I would have to think the MPAA came out first and that comics kind of borrowed that idea from them. But well, when was, when, when did comics come out? I could tell you, I, I can tell you which one came out first. I think the comics code happened in the, 50s mid 50s okay so so the the mpa as it was known as it was known at the time was founded in 1922 yeah okay that makes sense yeah it was the motion picture producers and distributors and distributors of america the mppda you know it's it's changed names so many times over the years and then it was the mpaa from 45 to 2019 and then since then it's just the mpa they dropped one of the the A's in there. Oh, it's still it's still AA to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's because you know, we're, especially when you're watching *Plain and Gentlemen*, this is still going to be NBA. Right. <laughs> and I mean, the, the 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 funny thing is, is that I mean, I was I was reading into the history of this, and basically, the the, the funniest thing is, is that. The MPAA didn't want any type of censorship, and the public didn't want censorship. But, you know, somehow the MPAA started, you know, making sure that that 
things fit with their morals. There was no national censorship, but some of the states had, you know, their their own requirements. And it turned out that there were movies that were sent to, you know, back in the 20s that were, that were sent to various locations where people in the town were editing the movies. Mm. And people, you know, in order to, to because of the on-screen portrayal of violence and sexuality, and a lot of people just were getting very upset at movies because they just didn't make sense because they were cutting things out. <laughs> you know, when stuff gets cut out, you don't really know what's going on. Right. And then they 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 found out that in 1929 there was more than 50% of American movie goer, goers were living in places that were cutting movies. Hmm. So that's why you know originally a few years before. The head was Will H. Hayes. He was the first uh, president. He used to be the the uh, postmaster general of the U.S. So in 1924, he instituted what's known as the formula, which was a, a guideline for filmmakers where they would request that studios would send them synopsis of the films and they would review them. But the problem was is that because there was no obligation to do so, most people just didn't send them in. You know, so it didn't really make a difference. It was suggested. And so in 27, they, they changed it and they, they created a code that was known as don't, don'ts and be carefuls, right? Which they would say all the different things. I, I wasn't able to actually find a list of what is on that, of what you're, you were not allowed to specifically show. But in general, uh, these, these were also largely ignored by the studios. They just didn't really care. You know, it, but in going back to 1929, usually about 20% of Hollywood scripts were sent to them before production. And even when they were sent to them, people still didn't keep, keep to their word and change things based on what this don't, uh, these don'ts and be carefuls were, were saying. So in 1930, they introduced what's known as the production code, which is, has, is still known as the Hayes code, which they, uh, it consisted of moral guidelines and unlike the don'ts and be carefuls, this was endorsed by studio executives because they wanted to, you know, make money. They wanted to get the approval to be able to send out these these movies and not have them get cut up. So some of the rules were that the, the code would prohibit any inclusion of scenes of passion unless they were essential to the film's plot. You couldn't have pointed profanity in either word or action. Uh, you couldn't have any sex per, uh, perversion, which I don't know how they referred to, uh, you know, how how they described what that meant at the time. <laughs> you were not allowed to have justification or explicit coverage of adultery. You couldn't have sympathetic treatment of crime or criminals, and you couldn't have dancing with indecent moves. <laughs> and you also were not allowed to show white slavery. So, I mean, th these are interesting things that they, they, they specifically try cutting out. I mean, that, that's one of the reasons that you know, in most movies from the 30s and 40s, if someone committed a crime, they actually had to get caught. You couldn't yes. have a movie where they didn't get caught. Yeah, I recall that, that I took a film class um, and that was one of the things that they talked about was like all these film noir. Like you had the, the criminal had to pay in some way at the end. You know, right. they, they could they couldn't get away. They either had to be killed, arrested or just they have to lose everything. It had, they, it couldn't be a happy ending for the bad guy basically right. or, or a gray exactly. or immoral character, even if they were the main character. 
Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, since then, you know, or as time went by, they, they, they started making, you know, Joseph Breen became in charge of, of the, of the production code administration, which was part of the MPPDA and starting July 1st, 1934, all studios had to have approval of the PCA for the movie before it was released. And if they didn't, they would have to pay a fine of $25,000. Oh, wow. You know, they, they started making it mandatory and this lasted for, for almost 20 years. So in, in 1956, the new head of the company, who was Eric Johnston, who was the four-time president of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, he, he replaced Hayes and he made a revision in the, in the uh, production code and he allowed the treatment of some subjects which had previously been forbidden, including abortion and use of narcotics, so long as they were within the limits of good taste. <laughs> Which I find really funny. Right. Like, who's going to say what what's considered, you know, good taste or not? And then they they actually added new restrictions to the code at the time that they would outlaw the depiction of any blasphemy or mercy killings in film. Hmm. And that that basically lasted for for a little over a decade. Which obviously we we've seen movies that that didn't for, uh, conform to that during that time because it was. It was not something that everyone wanted to do, but in 1968, they changed, sorry, 1966, they got a new president of the MPAA, and that was Jack Valenti, who was president for 38 years. Oh, wow. And he was the former aide to President Lyndon Johnson, and what he did was he decided to get rid of the production code entirely, and he would have a system of voluntary film ratings because they decided that they wanted to limit censorship censorship of Hollywood films. And at the same time, provide parents with information as to what is being depicted or shown in this particular movie. So as, as we know, there, there are, how many, how many ratings do they have? What do you, what do you know? Well, I know they've added a few, but let me see if I know G, PG, let's <laughs> say G, PG, um, PG 13 now. R, NC-17, X, and then is X? That's it. That's it. Okay. That's so it. I was saying triple X is kind of There's its own six. thing. <laughs> no, but triple X and X are pretty much the same okay. from that perspective. All right. You know. And, and I, so I was originally, under the impression that NC-17 replaced X. Um, it sort of did. I'll get into sure. that in a second. So basically, they, they started off with four different ratings. You had G for general audiences which basically says nothing that would offend parents for viewing by children. P then they had PG, parental guidance suggested, right? Parents urged to give parental guidance may contain some material parents might not like for their young children. And then they had R, contains some adult material. Parents are urged to learn more about the film before taking, taking their young children with them. And then they had X. Okay, now the problem with, with movies that were rated X was is that it would basically put a stain on the, the film and people wouldn't would think that it was closer to, you know, the, the triple X movies that you were talking about earlier. So, you know, for instance, you have, you have in uh, a best picture winner that was rated X. Do you know which best picture the winner that was? Well, I know mash uh, was rated X at one point. I don't know if that won best picture, but, and I, no, it wasn't, it wasn't. Okay. 
Uh, oh, Caligula. No, they didn't get best picture. That did not win best picture. <laughs> Shut up. No, I mean, I'm just trying to think of all the that... ones you traditionally is. It's got to be what? Porky's then. No, um, no, I don't know what would have been X that won best picture. Okay. It was Midnight Cowboy. Oh, okay. 1969. On that, actually. Because <laughs> that, that subject matter, you would think, would have garnered an X. If, if something like MASH got an X, you would think that Midnight Cowboy would. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, I mean, so th this is the way that the, the ratings went from, from 1968 until 1984. In 1984, they decided to make a change, and they added in the PG-13, okay, which basically says that parents are urged to be cautious. Some material may be inappropriate for pre-teenagers. Okay, now I remember when they when they started with PG thirteen. Do you remember any of the movies that came out in in eighty four oh, that that were some of the first PG thirteen movies? Well, I can't think of what was first PG thirteen, but I know two movies in particular that I remember being a big reason why people were like, "This is PG." Was Gremlins because of the violence, and and uh, Indiana Jones because some of the uh, Temple of Doom, I should say, because of some of the graphic. Uh, scenes that are pretty tame actually by today's standards but um like, like particularly the the dinner scene i think is what what kind of gross people out and they're like this is inappropriate uh, surprise. yeah <laughs> so i can't <laughs> i can't think of what was uh when, whenever you say it I'm, i know i've heard it before but i don't i don't recall right. what would have been so, the first so i know that 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 red dawn was one of the very one of the first mm. okay I remember when that came out and it was, you know, I just rewatched that and that is so tame. I mean, I guess the difference is there is a ton of violence, but today when they show violence, it's graphic violence where back then it was just violence in general garnered the higher rating. Yeah. I mean, I, I did a little bit of research about it and I've, I've seen that, you know, a little bit of discrepancies as to what was the very first PG-13 movie. So you, you do have Red Dawn. I, I also know that that the, the Flamingo Kid was was rated PG-13, which came out also in '84. I saw that that it part of it had to do with the fact that, as you mentioned, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom came out, and that was only uh, rated PG. And as you said, I also saw that Gremlins that that also caused the stir. You know that they needed to, but I, I mean, again, when, when you look at these movies, they're so tame <laughs> compared to today's standards. Yeah. So what I exactly, and it was, so what I saw to back you up is uh, in, in this one article it said that Red Dawn came out in August of 1984, but Flamingo Kid was technically the first to receive the rating from the MPAA, but that wasn't released ah, until only, December 1984. But it was released yeah. Up. Uh, okay. So there's a, it, it depends on what you want to count as the first first, you know, who who officially right. received it or who actually was released first. So, right. That's true. Right. So that so that was the first change that they made. And then uh, about 10 years later, they decided that they wanted to change things again. And they instead of having X, they changed it to NC-17. That was in 1990. You know, in order to what, what what's funny is is that if if they say that that you know things that that people will will think of a movie as being more appropriate if it's if it's NC seventeen as opposed to X, it's pretty funny because you it's still the same thing. You know, <laughs> it's it's not as if they would say okay, 
you know, NC17 is now a different level than X. If they say that it's replacing it, right? So, like, what's the difference? <laughs> it just sounds better. Is that is that what it could be? I think so, because you're like, all right, and, and R and R is you if you can't if you're under seventeen, you can't go on a company, but you can still go to an R movie with your parents. Uh, yes, you know, or 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 you know. My theater used to my my mom would literally walk up and go, "I'm giving these two their blessing to go see this, but I'm not watching it." And then would walk out, <laughs> and they'd let us in. Oh wow! Oh, uh, that was that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, NC17, I guess technically would be like, it doesn't matter if your parents bring you or not. <laughs> they, you know, you're not coming in. So I mean, that's right. kind of how I, I view the difference. But to me, X always has that like dirty, you know, right kind of porno uh you know feel to it even though a lot of these aren't necessarily you know porno films per se <laughs> especially right. the ones that now nc-17 a lot of times actually when i think of nc-17 i think of less of sex and more of like graphic extreme violence really i, I would think the opposite I would think it has more to do with the graphic sex. I used to think that as too. opposed to the graphic violence. Yeah, but now it's like I always go to like, oh, this one's so graphic. It's it's got to be NC seventeen. I mean, it's right. truthfully, it's both. You know, right? That's true. I mean, I got to tell you, uh, since I'm 48, I really don't don't even look at ratings of movies anymore. No. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter to me. <laughs> if it looks good, I watch. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's not a question of you know, is there going to be is is it going to be rated higher because it's got, you know, more sex or violence. Yeah. It, hopefully it's a good movie. That, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. I'm looking to try and find the good movies to watch. The only thing that I mean, I do sometimes look at, I, I don't even really worry about ratings too much now because as my kids are becoming that PG 13 age, you know, where they're, that's totally fine. You know, the, the Marvel movies are PG 13 sometimes, you know, in, you know, yeah. I, I don't think twice about taking them even when they were little, but I made the mistake, but that's also because because of violence or perceived violence, perceived violence and yeah. and language. Yeah, you know, you, you rarely will have a, a an MCU movie where you're worried about the, the the level of sex. Well, right, right, and you just, I mean, at that point, I know what I'm getting with these type of movies, so it's it's relatively right. safe. Uh, so I don't have to <laughs> think about it. But you know, we were showing the kids the other day, and I I've brought this up in conversation throughout the years about. You know, PG of today is not PG of the 80s. And, you know, no, for sure not. you know, we and we what we showed uh, the kids, of course, had seen Christmas Vacation. And that's a funny movie. And, you know, it's got a little crass stuff here and there, but it's mostly it's mostly tame. Um, and then we did show them the original vacation because it's not terrible. It's actually not that bad. You know, a couple crass things. Here mm, and there's, there. a, there's a shower scene. There's I don't. I can't remember, but. I made the mistake. Apparently you didn't notice. Apparently you didn't notice when you were watching. I don't remember, but I will tell this. I made the mistake. You got, you went to the bathroom during those few seconds. (laughs) Well, I think, I think it's like one of those things. All right. It's real quick. It's real brief. You know, you get past it for fast forward or whatever. We weren't too worried about that. But I remember going, all right, we all love European vacation too. Cause there's some funny stuff. And we're thinking about like rusty and all this stuff. I totally forgot that Clark takes, um, uh, Russ, uh, no, he takes his wife to oh. for a night out in a town into a French nightclub, and it's it's a it's a it's a cabaret review. It's just it's about three <laughs> minutes of just straight boobs and girls dancing, and and you know the, the joke is you know she's the only woman there, 
he's all into it thinking this is something classy and not seeing how uncomfortable she is. And then we totally forgot about that scene and we're like, this is a PG movie. And it's just boobs for about three minutes. So, wow. it, it, you know, it was, we were like, uh, you know, let's uh, let's fast forward this. And, you know, so we joke about it. We're like, oh, again, that just proved my point. PG, <laughs> PG in the 80s, you might see some <laughs> boobs. Uh, PG, you will you you probably won't even see boobs in a PG-13 movie. It'll be R. Right. Like nowadays it would be R. Correct. You'll get an F bomb yeah. or two. You'll get maybe one F bomb in a in a PG three. I think they're allowed. Right? I think they're allowed one. Yep. But at, but nowadays mm. if there was if there's a single bit of you know you might get a butt a butt shot. But after that any any uh, any other nudity it's, it's straight to R now. So yeah, it's, for sure. Yeah, so it, it's just funny. You have to <laughs> you have to kind of be aware of what you're showing, or else you're going to end up like my dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. So then afterwards, we get the typical lines on the screen. The persons and events in the motion picture are fictitious. Any similarity to actual persons or events is unintentional. This motion picture is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability and criminal prosecution, which, again, most people don't pay any attention to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, I always think when I see stuff like that, I always think of the um... – you ever see Amazon Women on the Moon? They they yeah, of course. They start the whole the episode, you know, the movie. With... I'm on a, I'm on a podcast just like you dealing with Amazon. Oh, that's hopefully, right. Yeah, hopefully that's it'll right. be out. Hopefully it'll be out by 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 now. Yeah, you know? it's right. It hasn't come out yet. When we, I forgot we were both a part of that. But the whole opening scene was the they were um. They were pirates, and they stole stole a VHS tape, and, right. they, and it says the right. FBI warning. And they go, "Ooh, I'm so scared." <laughs> <laughs> and my dad and I would say that every time we saw that warning. Oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so that's that at the end reminds me of that. You know that that they would add yeah. the VHS okay, tape when you rent it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely makes sense. And and then this minute ends with the logo of the Hughes Production Company. Okay, it's it's a it's basically it looks like a a flag turned on its side. It has a, two a white stripe on both sides, and then a star in the middle. And underneath it says Hughes. So it's basically an H, and yeah. then underneath it says Hughes. So this is a production company that was that was created by John Hughes himself in 1983, and it was initially based in at Universal Pictures. And they had a, a three-year production agreement with them that they would do things there. And then in 1985, they moved to Paramount. And after that, they had deals with uh, Warner Brothers and 20th Century Fox. That lasted till the the early 90s. And basically, they, they John Hughes made 18 different movies from this production company hmm. during the, that span. So yeah, it's pretty pretty interesting to to see that. So you have anything else for for this minute? No, well, no. I'm... All right, well, this is actually the perfect segue then, because even though it's Saturday, and we normally do this on Wednesdays, but because Brian wasn't with us on Wednesday, we're going to do today Hughes Hump Day. <laughs> so basically, Brian will give us his top five John Hughes movies. So start with number five and work your way up. All right. Um, I I noticed that pretty much every single one that I've picked seemed to be uh, ones he wrote. Um, I could be wrong. Uh, it, maybe he did direct one of these, but, um, number five is weird science. And okay. Number four, Mr. Mom. 
Um, I actually just recently rewatched that with our kids, and that was a big hit. And I forget how funny that movie is. Um, and of course, uh, I'm going to round out uh, the bottom three or the top three, I guess I should say, with the National Lampoon's Vacation series, as I just mentioned. Uh, National Lampoon's European Vacation. Well, you can't do a series. You got to pick one. Of them. Oh, come on! I'm going to do all three. Number three is European Vacation. <laughs> Ah, okay. Number two is the original vacation, and uh, okay. number one is Christmas Vacation because that is a it is a classic in my house. Every Christmas we watch that um, at least once. Oh wow! And it doesn't cool. get old. <laughs> no, definitely doesn't. That is very true. All right, great. Thank you for that. So every day we do a segment called Off the Beaten Track, where either myself or my guest will give a little story or adventure or misadventure or something that happened to us along the journey of life. So Brian, you have a, another story for us? I do. Um, this one involves both a plane and an automobile. Unfortunately, I was trying to think of any way to include a train <laughs> and I just can't, um, I, I, I can't find one that had all three. And this one definitely does not have anything that would even remotely, you know, become part of a train so we get we get two out of three and that's that's not too bad uh, I, I don't think anybody has able i mean this is the second to last episode i don't think that in the 91 stories that we've had up until now anyone has been able to get a story that has all three uh, so you're, you're you're in good company okay it's, it's a tough call but um i got two so i had a, i cannot so this is where my memory is a little fuzzy it was either pre 9-11 or post 9-11 uh, but before they put a lot of the security restrictions in place, I actually feel like this was pre 9-11. Uh, my roommate was working for Midway Airline, an airline that is no longer in service, but it had direct flights to our hometown. So he took a job so that he could, you know, every couple of weeks just fly home for free just you know, because he moved down and we were buddies in high school. So he had this idea that he wanted to fly up. And, at, you know, I will say it's pre 9-11 because we were able to cross the border to Canada freely at that time without very, oh, okay. yeah, very little um, restrictions or like now you have to show a passport. At the time, you did not. So um, we were sitting down. We both worked odd hours. It was like a random Wednesday. I was off for the next two days. He was off that day. It didn't have to work till for 24 hours later that next evening. And he's like, what do we say? We, you know, like he wanted to go to Canada basically because there's a casino up there in Niagara Falls. And uh, so gambling. he's gambling. like, right. And so he's like, so I, and, oh, and caveat, we were under 21 at the time, but you could drink um, in Canada if you were over 18, but under 21. Right. So we, we basically had, we had to figure out, okay, so. How do what, how are we going to get up there? Well, he flies standby, no problem. Um, I and then he could get me a cheap flight for like fifty bucks round trip. So oh wow, yeah, I was like great, let's do this. So the only caveat was both being under twenty five, we needed to make sure we could um, book a rental car. But we found a place that that did it because of you know we had like a corporate card or something like that. So we're like all right, great, booked, everything set. 
So we fly up. We we actually we actually dress up. We're gonna like we're gonna fly up and 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 we're gonna high roll tonight. We're gonna bring, we got some money burned in our pocket. We, you know we dress up, put a, put uh, our suits on and stuff. We we're it's like Vegas, baby. We're like swingers, you know. So we uh, <laughs> we get on and, money, money, right. Money. <laughs> so I remember like we also like skipped security because he he like had the key to get us in. Like we went through the like the main security, but then we didn't have to go to the gate. We actually went across the runway and got to our gate, like through these back doors where he worked. It was pretty cool. So we get into our plane. It's late at night. Now this is like ten o'clock at night. So yeah, it's like an hour and a half flight or whatever. So we get there. We get our rental car. We actually fly to Buffalo, New York. Get a rental car. Drive up to Buffalo, New York. We're listening to Sweet Caroline. We're from Buffalo to Niagara Falls. We get across the border, you know, and then we just have a night of debauchery. You know, we're drinking, gambling, just having some fun. Well, we tried to get a hotel. Um, all the hotels were super expensive. It was like, it's like four in the morning, and we're going to leave the next day. We're like, we'll get a cheap, you know, discount on the hotel since it's, it's the end of the night. But they were just, they were all booked up and stuff. So they were charging just a crazy amount of money. So we're like, forget that. So we are leaving the we we decide we're going to leave the casino, pull off to some place um, in the car and just sleep for a couple hours and then drive back to to get our plane because we're like we'll just sleep on the plane. So we put I, as we're walking out the casino, I throw a couple bucks in uh, a slot machine. I win two hundred bucks. So I'm like, great, breakfast is on me. So we leave, have breakfast pull over, find a place to kind of nap. And it's like, all right, now by the airport. And then we go to, we turn around the car in, we get uh, on the plane and we're heading, heading home the next morning. Everything is just hunky dory. And all of a sudden I hear a pop and I'm like, that's weird. And I'm already, cause we're sitting very, we're in the very front row of the plane. We hear a pop. I'm like, uh Oh, and I'm like, but eh, don't worry about it. I just try to keep sleeping. All of a sudden I'm like, I feel like we're going lower. I think we're landing. Oh, wow. I think we're landing. And I'm like, we haven't been in the air long enough to be even close to our <laughs> destination. And then the, uh, the pilot comes over. Uh, we've had a little, you know, minor, you know, everything's fine, but we've had a little you know, problem up here in the cockpit. We need to make an emergency landing in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> so we're like, okay. So we land in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And we're like the first people at the gate because we're, we're right there waiting to get off the plane. We're first in line. So I'm talking to the pilot. Turns out a bird hit the windshield and cracked the outer windshield. Oh, wow. And the inner windshield was fine. And he's like, we were fine, but we didn't want to take any chances. And so we landed. So I was, you know, that's what, what the pilot was saying. We're like, man, that's crazy. What are the chances? So whatever. So we're like, all right, all these people are going to want to be on standby flights to get to their destinations my buddy had to work later that day i was free and clear so we decide to all right we're, we run to the counter and we start getting our tickets and they go oh you're employees and i'm like well i'm not and they're like yeah but you're flying on his employee discount you guys are going to the back of the line we can maybe get you one tomorrow <laughs> oh like, wow yeah because everything was like delayed and all that and there was this debate and we're like everybody's like oh come on i gotta literally work for this company like later this day and they're like sorry nothing we can do for you so what the heck are we going to do? Um, we ended up renting a car. And so we rented a car. And this is now after being up all night and, you know, going to Canada on a on a whim, we decide that we're going to drive back. And I had to get him back in time to start a shift. 
So we had a limited amount of time. I think we had about, I think we had about eight hours ago what we should have taken us six hours to drive. And of course, we, you know, we were both exhausted. So I ended up doing all but a half hour of the driving. Um, I remember we, we just basically, you know, cannonball run it, smoking the bandit, you know, our way down. In fact, we were at the time we were the most tired. All of a sudden, Eastbound and Down came on randomly on the radio. <laughs> that is great. And that and we were just like, yeah, and it just it just really energized us. And we just, you know, we just cannonball run it all the way home. And, uh, you know, we, we made it back and had just enough time for a quick, uh, quick nap. <laughs> and it was off to work. He went. And of course, I I uh, I crashed out for the next 24 hours pretty much after that. But that was uh, that was my misadventures of. You know, trying to go, uh, uh, you know, on a on a last minute jaunt up to uh, <laughs> to Canada and then had to drive back instead. <laughs> wow. Wow. Great story. Thank you very much for that. Mm-hmm. That was great. All right. You want to tell people once again how they can get in touch with you? Yeah. I mean, the you know, the main show right now that I'm doing uh, is Marvel Events Timeline Podcast. And that is on, you know, both Twitter and Instagram as um, Marvel Events Pod. And also you can um, find my other show, which is Hamilton Shot by Shot that I'm doing. And that's uh, Hamilton underscore SBS on uh, Twitter. And uh, my my movies by minutes home is the Marine Corps movie minute podcast, which can be found on Instagram at Marine Corps movie minute pod. Excellent. Great. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review and subscribe on any podcast you might be using to listen to this show. Finding me is quite simple. Just do a quick search. You can go to our website for movie Rob minute. You can find me on Twitter and you can find me on Facebook. So thank you again, Brian. This was a lot of fun. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And I want to remind everyone to come back again tomorrow on Sunday, which, again, is not usually a day that that, that we have the show. But uh, please come back on Sunday tomorrow in order to hear the final episode of season two and then come back again on Monday to start with season three. So until tomorrow, you're fine. You're fine.